ask that you would uh, bless Rod as he speaks, pour out your spirit on him as he um, brings your word with clarity and open up our hearts to receive what you have for us right now. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, James. It's, uh, it's called Christmas One on the, on the plan. Uh, I don't know what everybody was expecting, but uh, this is what you're going to get. Anyway, um, we seem to be introducing ourselves now. So I'm Rod and I'm part of the leadership team here. And uh, it's great to see you all. And uh, Mary. Where, there we go. So Mary, just an ordinary person. Hello, it's gone again. Here we are, it's back again. <laughs> okay. We're going to, going to look at Luke chapter 1. And uh, this is often called the Annunciation. It's a big word. It means an announcement. Yep. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favoured woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary said to the angel, How can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy. And he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And the angel left her. As I said, this is often called the Annunciation. It's it's just the point where the angel announced to Mary that she was going to have a baby. Do you know, I think Mary gets a bit of a bad press with us. Or, let me put it this way, she's neglected. And why is she neglected by us? Well, I think we're a bit frightened because of other parts of the Christian church rather overemphasised Mary. So, millions upon millions of Christians have sort of conceived the Annunciation like this. You know, Mary is some sort of 
serene, very sort of altogether person. And she's visited by an angel that you can't tell is whether it's male or female, if you look closely. And there's usually huge wings and everything is sort of, well, whatever. I mean, of course, the background is Middle Ages rather than biblical. But, and, you know, you think millions upon millions of believers conceive of, of, of the events like that. And, and actually, there's, there's more to it, because then you say, oh, they, they, the Roman church, the, the Catholic church has said, well, what about original sin? Mary, if, if Mary had original sin, that would have been passed on to Jesus. So we can't have that. So we, we, we have something called the Immaculate Conception. My goodness, these words. It's the doctrine that Mary was preserved immune from the stain of original sin. And that became official belief in 1854 in the Catholic Church. And we think, oh... Mind you, I think some of us would look at that picture and see the EU now. (laughs) 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 And... And then who knows what all sorts of wacky prophecies we would get. Oh, well, the Immaculate Conception. So according to the Catholic Register, which I I looked up on the internet, that means that Mary was preserved from sin. It actually means that Mary did not sin. What? And that means, according to the Catholic Register, that if Jesus is the new Adam, then Mary is the new Eve. Oh, dear, dear, dear. But it gets worse. If, if Mary didn't have sin, then what's the result of sin? Death. Oh, well, did Mary die? Well, well, I don't know if you've ever been to Europe on August the, 5th, August the 15th, but they have a right beano amazing time because of the assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary, the Immaculate Mother of God, the ever-Virgin ever Mary, I'm going on, having completed the course of her earthly life, was assumed body and soul into heavenly glory. That is the last ex cathedra uh, uh, statement by a Pope. In other words, Catholics have to believe it. And at this point we say, dear Catholic friends, you've majored so much on Mary that you've taken away from Jesus. And we love you, dear Catholic friends, but we have to say in all sincerity, that can't be right. And that's why we steer away from Mary, I think, because we're frightened of all this sort of stuff. So, what are the biblical facts about Mary to this point? Do you know, we don't actually know a great deal about her. This is what we know up to this point. Afterwards, we, we can put together a little bit more, but up to this point, well, she lived in Nazareth in Galilee. Well, Bible says that. 
that's okay. She lived in Nazareth in Galilee. Yep. She was a virgin. She says that, so she's a virgin. And then thirdly, she's engaged to a man called Joseph. At this point, we don't know that he's a a carpenter. We learn that later, but we just know that she's engaged to a man named Joseph. And she had a relative called Elizabeth who was married to Zechariah the priest because he's already, he and they have already featured in the story. And that's it. That is actually all we know about Mary at this point. So no wonder, no wonder tradition has had a field day here because it's sort of filled in and filled in and it's got bigger and bigger and bigger. But this is all we know about Mary at this point. So what happened that day when the angel came? Now, I don't want to make up things because I don't want to fall into the trap of going further than, than I could. But I do think we can use a little bit of creative imagination here So what actually happened? What happened that day? Well, first, Mary is, I think, I think it's a reasonable presumption that she's at home. She might have been out in the street, in the field, but I think it's a reasonable assumption that Mary was at home. Don't know where her parents were. Don't know anything about brothers and sisters. But let's assume, presume, that Mary was at home alone. And I think probably during the day, don't you? I think so. It's not said to be a dream. Mary's at home alone. And then the angel Gabriel arrives. Appeared, according to the scriptures. So do you think suddenly there suddenly there was the angel? Do you know, I think that would have frightened the life out of her. Wouldn't it you? You know, when you think about it, if you're thinking your way into the story, there you are, just, I don't know what she was doing. Maybe she was sweeping the floor, maybe she was cooking the dinner, I don't know what she was doing. And then suddenly, (laughs) there's the angel. I think that would have frightened the life out of her. So the angel appeared. What, was she suddenly aware that someone was with her? Did he call from the door and say, Mary? I don't know. But I tell you what, he looked like an ordinary fellow. His name was Gabriel and he didn't have big wings sticking out of his back. Just a man. If you read the Old Testament, that's how they are in the Old Testament when angelic angels when there's angelic appearance except when you get a vision of heaven of course that's that Mary there's a man with her Mary Mary God's with you his favour is upon you he doesn't say actually that you're full of grace which is what I'm afraid our Catholic friends believe, Mary hasn't got grace to give. 
she received great grace from God. And Mary says, you can can imagine, she's sitting or standing there and this man says, God's favour is on you. And she's confused and disturbed. You know, it's often pictured, there she is sitting so serenely, you know, 15 seconds before, she never knew this was going to happen. And she just accepted I, I don't. That's not what the Bible says. If somebody suddenly came into your life like that, you didn't know who he was, where actually he'd come from, and he said, God is with you, I've got this, this amazing message for you, really. Wouldn't you be confused? Upset? Troubled? I think you would. I really think you would. So what does the angel say? Mary, you're going to have a baby. What? (laughs) What? He's going to be great. He's going to be king. He's a descendant of David. He's, He's going to be son of the Most High. What? Think about it. This ordinary girl... Because she was, I don't know how old she was, but she wouldn't have been that old. Engaged to Joseph, a virgin, suddenly told by a stranger who appears to her, who she might now be thinking, this is a bit more than your ordinary guy, says, you're going to have a baby. How did Mary feel? Oh, she said, oh, that's wonderful. (laughs) But that's often how it's portrayed, isn't it? But she's a human being. She's got feelings and emotions. And this suddenly has landed upon her. And she hears this magnificent sort of description of a baby that she's going to have and she's baffled, she's upset by it, she's confused by it, she's disturbed by it, of course she is. Because she's like you and me. How can this be? How can it happen? Well, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. And you're going to give birth to the Son of God. Oh, by the way, your relative Elizabeth, she's six months pregnant now. Really? Because everybody thought that she couldn't have a baby, but she is. And Mary, I guess, my feeling, I might be wrong, my guess, Mary, overwhelmed by all this, says, okay, if that's God's will for my life, I accept it. Let, me, let it be according to what you have said. And then Gabriel goes. Perhaps he just walks out the door and is gone. How would you feel How would you feel if if that happened? It couldn't happen to us fellows, could it really? But you know what I mean. 
how would you feel? Elizabeth. That's the clue. So what, the bit we didn't read that happens after this. What did Mary do? She hurried off to Elizabeth straight away. Did she tell her parents what had happened? Or any brothers and sisters she had? More importantly, do you think she told Joseph at that point? Because she was only just pregnant. Well, she assumed she was, if what was said was true. So she hurries off to Elizabeth. And as soon as she meets Elizabeth, the, the baby in Elizabeth's womb leaps. Because that unborn child recognises the life in Mary. Sorry. Now we could, we could depart and, and go on to abortion and all that. And that, think about it, but just hold that. Because that speaks powerfully against abortion. Think about it. But let's not go there, because that's not my purpose this morning, but still hold that. The baby in Elizabeth's womb leaps because of the, the minuscule life that's in Mary that will become Jesus. So Mary gets a confirmation. And I bet then she goes home because she's not there when John is born. She goes back and I think that's when she tells Joseph and the rest of the things happen. But that's my thinking. Keep to the scriptures. Wow. So, what can we learn from this? I think we can learn some things from this. First of all, taking that Mary is an ordinary person, God delights in the faithfulness of ordinary people. You see, yeah, I know. She was marrying a descendant of, of David, Joseph. She may have been also a descendant of David herself. It depends how you interpret the genealogy in Luke. Don't get hung up on that. But, and I know that in all of this, we can see the sovereignty of God at work. God is fulfilling his plan. But essentially, up to that point, Mary was just an ordinary young woman, teenager, not much more than a girl probably, just in a, in a part of a family that was faithful, part of a family that worshipped God, part of a family that honoured the law, the word of God. This was Mary, and she in that family was faithful to the Lord that she believed in and tried in her strength, I'm sure, to do what God wanted her to do. She was a faithful, faithful servant of God. In Old Testament terms, wonderful. And Gabriel comes to her and says, you're favoured by God. God's rejoicing in your faithfulness. 
And I believe God still does. We won't get such a, a, a mind, a life-changing message like that as Mary did. But I believe that God still rejoices in your faithfulness and in my faithfulness. Haven't we heard that? Debbie's testimony. That family that prayed for Debbie. That family that held on and held on. God rejoiced in their faithfulness. And God rejoices in your faithfulness and my faithfulness. We won't, we won't, we won't have sort of big profile things like Mary. Probably not. Of course not. But he says, I love it when you're faithful. I love it when, you, when you're praying for someone and you keep praying and you keep praying and you don't give up, but you just hang on there and you keep going. I love it when you're faithful. I love it when you're faithful in your wit- witness, when, when to your family or your friends or at work, you, you have a steady, consistent witness to who Jesus is and to his lifestyle. I love it when you're faithful in that way. I love it when you're faithful in, in reading my word and, and listening to what I'm saying to you. I just love it. I love it. I love it when you're faithful, doing the little things in, in the context of the church, the body of Christ. I just love it when, when you are faithful to me in that context. I love it. God delights in our faithfulness. Isn't that superb? You may never, ever, ever hit the headlines as far as being a Christian is concerned. You may never, ever achieve in the world's eyes anything that's great and magnificent and mighty. That isn't the point. The most, the most amazing thing that you can hear and you will hear are these words. Well done, good and faithful servant. We've, we've heard a little bit about eternity this morning. And that will be a joy, won't it, to hear in eternity, well done, good and faithful servant. And you'll say, Lord, I didn't do much. Ah, but he said, you did this, and you did it for 20 years, and you did it for me. Well done. Or you prayed, and you kept going, and you didn't stop. Well done. Or you witnessed, and it wasn't productive, you thought. But you kept at it. Well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. I believe God wants you to hear some of that this morning. Because it's easy to give up, isn't it? It's so easy to give up and say, oh, I'm not seeing any answers to my prayers. I'm not seeing any result of what I'm doing. What I'm seen to be doing in the, in the church seems so small and insignificant. Oh, I think I'll give up. And God says, don't. Because I delight in your faithfulness. And the second thing, God can do extraordinary things through ordinary people. I mean, he did an amazing thing through Mary, obviously. One that's never going to be repeated. That was the most extraordinary thing through an ordinary person that could ever happen. But I believe the principle is, is true. That through us, we're just ordinary folks. 
God can and does do extraordinary things. That prayer was answered. God chose you to pray and pray and pray and finally it was answered. Your family member, your friend, your colleague at work, the person that you've had on your heart for years suddenly commits his or her life to Jesus. Why? Well, I know there's all sorts of factors, but one of them is because you prayed. Isn't that extraordinary? That Almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth, used your prayer? That's extraordinary. There you are. You're faced with someone who is unwell. Maybe here on the context of a Sunday morning, maybe in their home, wherever. And you say, I'd like to pray for you. I'd like to minister to you in Jesus' name. And then, what happens? God heals. God restores. God releases. And we say, praise God. Isn't that extraordinary? Isn't that amazing that God should give a gift of healing through you or me? That's extraordinary. But that's what God does. God can do amazing things through any single one of us. Oh, there you are. You're just sitting, talking to somebody. And the conversation gets to Jesus. And you, you share your testimony. And your friend or whoever it is says to you, I'd like to know him as well. And you, you lead that person through repentance and faith. Very simply. No set formula. It just happens. And that person is born again. Because of you. Isn't that extraordinary? That's amazing. God can do the greatest miracle in someone else's life because we're faithful. That's extraordinary. And we could go on. You may think, oh, I don't count for much in this life, not even in the church. And you believe it. You're important. We're valuable. And God can do amazing things. And he gives us the strength to keep going. Thirdly, God fulfills his promise through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's, that's what the angel Gabriel said to Mary. He said, because Mary said, how is this going to happen? And he said, well, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. That's just in line with everything that had happened up to that point. Because when God in, in Old Testament times wanted to do something mighty, he anointed someone with the Spirit and that person was empowered to fulfill the purposes of God. And so the angel says to Mary, 
The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. He's going to do it through you. It's all of the Spirit of God. And actually Jesus, when he was grown and being about 30 years old, as, as Luke says, he came to John the Baptist and said, I want you to baptise me. And John says, mm, no, 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 it ought to be the other way round. But John baptised Jesus in the Jordan and when Jesus came out of the water, what happened? The Spirit of God came upon him. Even the Son of God needed the anointing of the Holy Spirit to come upon him. And then, of course, shift along a little bit further. And there, there are the 120 waiting for the promise of Jesus. Don't go away from Jerusalem until you've received power. And there they are on the day of Pentecost. Wondering what on earth is going to happen and then the Holy Spirit comes. And they spill out onto the streets in the power of the Spirit. And 3,000 people become followers of Jesus. It's the anointing of the Spirit of God. And God delights in your faithfulness. He delights when we're faithful. God, God can do extraordinary things through every single one of us. And how does he do it? By the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the power of the Spirit to witness for him, to worship him, to be his people. be ordinary people used by an extraordinary God to do extraordinary things. And at this Christmas we need that same Holy Spirit. Because it's Christmas, not, let's, not forget, let's not forget the rest of the story. And as, as we seek to witness to people, as we seek to to invite people for next week as we, we seek for, for next week to be full of power and dy dynamic worship and praise and proclamation of Jesus. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need good presentation. We need relevant messages, but we need the power of God. And fourthly, Mary said, if that's what you want, if that's your word, I'll do it, let it be so. And we can hear about faithfulness and rejoice in what God can do and say, yes, we need the power of the Holy Spirit, but we still need to do it. That's what God is looking for. Obedient hearts, obedient lives, obedience to his word. Well, I'm scared, I can't do it. That's what I would think anyway. We have the power of the Spirit to do that. God never tells us to do something that he won't empower us to do. There is grace for us in every situation. You know, all this points to Jesus. The whole thrust 
of the whole of this points to him. And this is what we can see about Jesus just in this passage. This is the Jesus that we're proclaiming. This is the Jesus that we're worshipping. This is the Jesus who came as a result of that promise to Mary. This is a Jesus conceived by the Holy Spirit. Jesus, meaning the Lord saves, Yahweh saves, the Lord saves. He's called the Son of the Most High. He's called the Son of God. He's fully human because he's, he's a descendant of David. He's will reign over God's people forever and saying the same thing almost, his kingdom will never end. This is the Jesus that we're called to proclaim this Christmas and in fact all the time. This is Jesus. Born, lived, ministered, taught, healed, proclaimed, betrayed, died, buried, risen, ascended, glorified, giver of the Spirit. This is Jesus. The Jesus who saves, who took upon himself our wrong, our failure, our our brokenness, our sin. The Jesus who took upon himself all of the filth and muck that is in the world and bore it on the cross. Jesus who took it with him into the grave. The Jesus who defied the, the worst that evil could throw at him. Jesus who confronted Satan and in his weakness actually was defeating the most powerful thing in the universe apart from God. Jesus who buried in the tomb, seemed totally forgotten, then risen from the dead. Jesus alive, Jesus glorified, Jesus King of kings, Lord of lords, Jesus saviour, Jesus redeemer, Jesus the Son of God. And that's what Christmas is about. So, this Christmas, ordinary people, that's you and me, yeah? Let's make Jesus known in the power of the Spirit of God. Let's pray about next week. Let's go for it and say, God, we want to see you. We long to see you. We cry to see you work here in power so that people who don't know Jesus get to know him and that their lives are turned around. Amen? Amen. Let's just, let's just pray about that, shall we? Let's, in fact, let's stand as we uh, do that. I'd like to pray, and as the band goes back, let's worship Jesus. Lord, Lord, thank you. Thank you that we, we have a glorified, risen Jesus to proclaim, not just a baby born in weakness, but one who died for us on the cross, one who was buried and has risen and is exalted and glorified. Lord, I pray that next week you will overshadow our time together by the power of the Holy Spirit 
and that we will see you at work in a mighty and powerful way. Lord, thank you that you still use ordinary people. You still use us to bring about your purposes. And Lord, we say together, come Lord Jesus amongst us next week by the power of your Holy Spirit and draw people to you. Because you have said, when I am lifted up, I will draw men and women to me. And we claim that, Lord, in your name, in Jesus' name. Amen.